Welcome, everybody, to the Seattle Sports Union Weekly Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese, and this week's special guests are the Minister of Machinations, Matt Page, the sultry Soul Cal Seahawk, Rob English, and the ravenous Ram, Richard A. Michelson, and leading this menagerie of miscreants, your host, my pal, and Mrs. Solak's baby boy, Brian the Soul Man Solak. <laughs> wow, your entrances are outstanding. How you guys doing? All right. <laughs> Uh, we should get started right away. Let's talk some Seahawks. Uh, last Sunday they went, they went and beat up on those 49ers 37 to 27 to go six and one on the season. What are your, your initial reactions? Let's start with Rob. Oh, um, my initial reaction, you know, it, there was a little bit of, a little bit of surprise, um, a whole lot of relief, um, and and then a, a little bit of I told you so in there as well I guess like and I probably hit on, on I guess I hit it from all angles but um, you know it was it was the Seahawks playing the type of the type of game that we all kind of expect them to play um, uh, you know it, it looked like uh, it looked like the Seahawks we want to see um, and then uh, the surprise end of it was how just amazing the defense seemed to play um, through the, uh, the the first three quarters of the game. Um, you know, still giving up a, a lot of stuff in the middle. I saw that I didn't like, but I mean, they kept the team off the off the board. Um, I mean, it was um, my my reaction uh, ultimately was um, just just probably mostly relief. So I was like very relieved that this is our Seahawks team against a, a divisional foe, a very important game, being that we were already down one um, in the division. So um, yeah, this was a huge game for us. So definitely relief. Outstanding. How about you, Rich? Did you get to watch? I did get to watch because uh, uh, Salt Lake is uh, San Francisco East. Uh, due to the, uh, the yeah, no, I've said, I've said that myself. It's yeah, like I, you know, I've been to Salt Lake, and I'm like, hey, this is just like San Francisco, only exactly East, or, or or something. Like they but uh, it. yeah, something like that. Anyway, there's a ton of San Francisco 49ers fans out here, so it's the games are almost always. Almost all the 49er games are on the um, the main broadcast out here, so uh, I got to watch it. Uh, my my general thoughts are that the the, the Seahawks looked at with the, like the far superior team through three quarters. Um, I I mean I, I hate the analogy in, in all sports where they say, well, you know, they're just trying to outscore the other team, right? Because I mean, obviously, in any game, you're trying to outscore the other team. With that being said, like this team, I just don't know if they can win any 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 game that you know is a as a tight, close, low scoring affair. They um, have given up over twenty points every single game. In fact, the low, low on the season is twenty three against the Dolphins, and they seem to be able to they have a talent for making any game that they're in close. So I, I have major concerns about the defense. I, I know about their peak. I thought that, that Rob's comments were good. Like they, they played great to start, but, man, their finishing is just it's, – it's, it's giving me heart attacks out here. <laughs> Understood. Uh, how about, I want to hear Abe's thoughts. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I ran my mouth off last week about this very game, saying that the Seahawks – we're not going to win this. And after those first two drives, 
I was pretty much proven right. And I was about to write up my text message to all of you guys, all of you true believers saying, look, the the San Francisco 49er defense is really, really good. But you know what? We dropped 37 points on them and it just took us a while to get there. It took us a while to get there against some other teams as well. But that's fine if you're averaging 35 points a game. That's going to do the trick, but I do have the same fears as Rich Michelson, where I, I wonder if I wonder if the magic disappears in a certain game at an important point in time. And I don't know if 37, 36 points per game is viable over the court the course of a whole season. Matthew Page. Uh, you know, trying to come up with something that hasn't been said 47 times already by everyone, you know, <laughs> at this point. Uh, no, I, uh, you know, we hit the we hit the pedal slowly, and then we, you know, we kept we just kind of kept purring and, and chuck, chipping away at it. I don't like the how we relaxed. I got the kind of got the sense we hit the fourth quarter, we just kind of hit cruise control, and our defense relaxed. Um, to be fair, the 49ers put in their best quarterback at that point and they actually had a real offense from that point on uh so there's a difference there but we didn't we didn't i didn't feel i didn't see the same level of physicality in the second in the fourth quarter that i that i wanted to see and that kind of is concerning especially with how our defense has been playing all year um but I did like seeing that our fourth string running back can come in and and, and make some plays um, I did like seeing, you know, our star receiver continue to make amazing plays. Uh, you know, I mean, it overall, I expected us to win. We did win. Um, it, it shouldn't have been as close as it was because of my concerns there in the fourth quarter. But uh, and and Bobby Wagner, what got into? What did he eat for breakfast that day? I mean, he was everywhere. Um, so I get a hat tip to him, but. Uh, you know, I just um, wow. As I get stabbed by my cat here, because I'm not I'm not paying attention to him. Uh, sorry. Uh, no, I just I I I'm concerned about that fourth quarter fade. That's that's the only thing. That's the only point of concern I have on the team. But otherwise, I, I'm happy with the win. Okay, you say we we re, we relaxed, and then whose fault is it we relaxed? Is that fall on Ken Norton Jr., Pete Carroll? I mean, what are your thoughts? I don't. I don't I don't think the fourth quarter fade is really as much of a big deal. Um I mean we were up pretty big. Um I mean and you got to expect I mean those points were it could easily be considered garbage time points. Now we worry about it more as as 12 because you know it looks so much like what we've seen all season long which is just ineptitude um uh, uh, you know on the, on the defense defensive side of the football. Um but I mean, I mean, Seattle is leading the league in points per game on offense. I mean, we, we're we're the, uh, thirty-four uh, over thirty-four points a game at this point. Not many teams are scoring over thirty points a game. Uh, I think there's five, including ourselves. Um, you know, and and if you're going being up big like that going in the fourth quarter, and and with our defense, the way our defense is, how how how, how can I say it? How how good our defense is not. <laughs> You know, when we go into that prevent mode, we go into that that you know sit back and wait uh, mode. I think it, it stands to be 
a little more porous than, you know, than any other defense might be. Um, so it was, you know, where it was like kind of off-putting to see Mullins come in and just go right down the field a few times. Um, I wasn't quite as worried about that, um, especially with, you know, you know, Russ takes us right back down the field again and we score again late in the game. Um, I think we're just going to be that team. Um, uh, I, I don't remember, somebody said earlier that, you know, uh, worried about us winning those, winning those, those, those you know, short, those uh, close games um, and those low-scoring games. Um, you know, I, I think this is just who the Seattle Seahawks are. I think we're just going to go toe-to-toe with anybody who's going to come out there and score points. We're going to put up 35 points a game and see if you can do it too. And 6-1, and and you know, it, you know, says a lot. Hey, I couldn't have said that any better. Do you, any of you guys disagree with what Rob just said? Abraham? <laughs> <laughs> You just know that I'm going to have a problem with that, that I'm just stewing over here, that I have my black hat on, there's a giant cauldron, I have a big wooden spoon, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to mix, I'm going to mix up a potion of, of, uh, anti-Rob English sentiment. And I just, you know, I, I, I understand when you say we're six and one, but I look at how did we get here and did we falter against inferior vastly inferior teams and the answer is yes yes we have now no one's perfect this is the nfl this isn't uh this isn't an sec team playing a directional state college i understand that but i i do kind of look at giving nick mullins two touchdown drives i do kind of look at letting Kyler Murray off the hook because we didn't put in any pressure on him when obviously we got pressure this game. And, you know, I look at, I, you know, I look at letting, uh, letting the dolphins get back at a, you know, you know, holding with us. So it's, it's, I don't know if it's sustainable. I just don't know if it's sustainable. I'm going to jump in here, Abe. I, I kind of agree with you. Does anyone have a guess for what the yardage difference was in this game between the two teams without looking at the box score like I've been? Uh, wasn't it about even? It was like within a couple of yards. Both teams had 350 yards of offense. But what you have to look at wow. is that the Niners got the bulk of their yardage after Jimmy G. God, I hate that name. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> got knocked out of the games. All their bulk yardage came with Nick Mullins. Once they, yeah. Yeah, once they put in their starting quarterback, everything went, went well for them. And that's kind of and that's kind of my point, you know. It's like, yeah, okay, so so you know, if you look at if you look at the end of the game, you look at the box score when it's all said and done, you know, the the picture that's painted isn't always, you know, uh the the, the truth. And and yeah, that a whole I mean, teams always make up yardage and make up points and make up, you know, stats in garbage time, you know, because, because the defense of the team that's, that's leading and leading by a lot is going to sit back. So that, 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 that tends to happen. Um, uh, um, Jimmy G was out there playing injured. I mean, for one, and, and granted he's, I, mean, I don't think he's a great quarterback anyway. Um, and Nick Mullen is, has, has shown against the Seattle Seahawks. He can play football. He's done that in previous years. Um, you know, so, and it's a division rival, the same thing, you know, with, with Abe talking about Arizona. I mean, Arizona's not a bad team. Arizona is 
very likely going to be the third team in the NFC West that makes the playoffs this season. That's no that's no slouch of a football team. Uh, Fitz Magic is got is called Fitz Magic for a reason. The Miami team, you know, was playing quite well, you know, before they took Fitzpatrick out of the out of the lineup. Um, you know, and the teams we played this year, we haven't played really. I mean, what team have we played this year that really has been slouches that we knew were slouches at the time that we played them? You know, certainly can't say Dallas was. Dallas was at full at full strength for the most part uh, when we played against them. You know, so um, is it sustainable? It's easy to say that it's not, but at the same time, you have to look. I mean, if you consider the body of work and what we've done, I, I mean, is it sustainable? It, it's I get it. It's hard to accept it, but as long as we're out there cooking on offense, I mean, the defense is going to if they remain opportunistic. Why isn't this sustainable? That's a fair point because, because if you look at our if you look at our schedule with the the teams we've played versus the ones we've got coming, the rest of the schedule is a joke except for the rest of the NFC West teams we're going to have to play, and we showed we could we could carry ourselves against except for the Cardinal game. <laughs> we you know this was an important rivalry game, and and you know we showed we can dominate them. Uh, we show we can dominate but, in one third of the phase of the game. The, well, three quarters. At least. No, I'm talking about you got your three you got your three phases, right? Offense, defense, special teams. So special teams have been pretty much a wash. We haven't really had to rely on them. And the NFL has kind of taken away that phase of that game. Anyway. But on defense, we have made people look like absolute all pros. Every single week. There has this was the first week where we kind of shut a team down, at least for one half we did. Until Nick Mullins came in, then he looked like a he looked like a future Joe Montana. <laughs> well, Nick Mullins is their starting quarterback. They just haven't met that reality yet. And and uh, I disagree on special teams because if you'll remember, Mister Pettis uh, lost a fumble and then lost his job as a result of losing that fumble. We made him fumble so hard he lost okay, his well, job. Okay, so Ben Burkirvan hit him. Uh huh. And it was we the weakest fumble. It was the weakest fumble I have ever seen in my life because he hit him in the opposite arm that he was holding the ball. <laughs> I'm putting that on Pettis, <laughs> not on BBK. <laughs> well, but either way, that, that's us winning in special teams. The only significant event on special teams was us winning. So we won that phase of the ball, too. I just want to uh, give credit where credit is due. That's all I'm saying. Okay, fine. Well, well, I'll right. give you that, but we make everybody. We've made every QB, with the exception of Jimmy G, who's just a mediocre QB. We've made every QB look like an absolute superstar. Yeah, that's true. But I, 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 I will say, and I know this is, I think, more circumstantial probably than anything. But the numbers don't lie. We are still top ten in the league um, against the run. So I mean, you know, and we started off really good against the run. Then we had a, then we had a couple of weeks where we weren't so great. Um, but I mean, I think we currently sit at number nine against the run in the league, and that you know that 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 helps. Now, we, quarterbacks come out there, and they all look like you know they they, they they should be wearing gold jackets against our secondary, and that's true. You know, we can't we, you know there's no there's no discounting that fact. But if we continue to make these teams one-dimensional against us, whether it's because our run defense is so good or whether it's because we just jump on teams early on offense, um, it, it doesn't really matter at that point. If we make, you make a team one-dimensional, 
it, you know, it, 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 you're going to have an easier time beating them. And that's, I think, really what we've been doing this year. And I think there's a certain level of sustain, sustainability of that. I'll jump hey, in Rich. a few things. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, go ahead, Rich. Before we move on, I, you had something to say. Yeah, I, I, I sent this over to a, a couple of you guys via Twitter. It was the injury report yesterday. It's bad, guys. I, I don't <laughs> think it's sustainable because a ton of our, um, like our stars, but also just like the middle of the team. Right, like the the backbone of the team, all those second round and third round picks that play for us, and a variety of positions, they're all injured. Like maybe not like injured enough to be out of the game, but this this uh, you know injury report had over twenty players on it. Yeah, but that's not really that's that's not really that is that is that really that. You know, um, you know, out of the ordinary. Though they're not, yeah. well, they're not, they're not all going to miss time. Some of them are right. like they're just kind of putting them on limited practice because they want to ease up on them because they're a little banged up or whatever. But they'll still start. Right. You know, like they like right. they had but DK Metcalf on that list, and DK Metcalf ain't going to miss a game. That's probably true. My point is, is that um, I I don't know if it's sustainable because I don't know if we'll be able to keep all of our players healthy over the course of this season. Um, I also don't know that it's sustainable. Being opportunistic is not a repeatable skill. It's not like being disciplined on defense. It's not like, um, you know, having a great offense that can execute. That's a repeatable skill. Being opportunistic on defense is not a repeatable skill. And that's my main worry. That's an interesting. That's an interesting concept because I I don't know. I mean, you have to remember that these these teams that we're playing against they're just human too, and 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 at times they're going to uh, make mistakes. They're going to error, and if your team is um, aware enough to be able to capitalize on those mistakes when they happen, um, I mean, is it necessarily repeatable? Maybe not by definition because you don't know when those things are going to happen. So it's not the same as just being um, being dialed in. You know, um, you know, uh, but as you as you put it, but um, I mean, DJ uh, uh, DJ Reed making that pick on a pass that was just thrown a little too inside to George Kittle. I mean, that's that's a that's an opportunity to make that play. If that ball is thrown where it's supposed to be, Kittle probably makes that catch and that drive keeps on moving down the field. You know, now did now if Reed doesn't make that pick, it's an incomplete pass, and maybe their drive, you know, on the next play they go down and and, and score or you know keep the drive going, but. I mean, that's an opportunistic play right there right? Uh, with um, uh, Ryan Neal, you know, the two picks he had early, earlier this year. You know, if, if those balls are oftentimes dropped by defensive players. You know, the, the old thing about defensive backs is, you know, the reason they're on defense is because they don't have hands, right? You know, so if those balls get dropped, you know, uh, and those plays aren't made, you know, the teams are getting another chance. Um, so, I mean, I think just little things like that, you know, because we're not so great, you know, um, you know, more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, more, um, uh, you know, we're not as dialed in on defense, but it, but if those opportunities come up and we capitalize on them each time, you know, just getting one extra possession, you know, it makes a difference. And, you know, momentum, if you believe it or not, changes. Um, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. If we, we certainly can't get worse. I mean, we can. I'm saying if we want to continue winning, 
What we can't do is get worse. If we stay how we are right now and, and stay opportunistic, Jamal Adams is coming back. We got snacks coming in. We got Dun, um, uh, Dunlap coming over. We're going to get better. And I think this can be made uh, a better thing. You brought up DJ Reed. I I think that was a great sign, and I think he had a hell of a game. I mean, even when Ugo Amadi comes back, does Reed have the opportunity to, you know, take lots of PT away from Amadi, in your opinion? I I think uh, Reed had a, a, a – I mean, obviously the interception was great. Uh, he had that that pick. He had two pass defense. Um, I looked earlier. I think he. I think he had a total of nine balls thrown his way, and five of them were caught. I think it was like seventy-eight yards total against him um, uh, per the stat sheet. So I mean, it, outside of the interception, um, I mean, it was an, it was uh, you know more of an, an okay day. Um, but I mean, he didn't he didn't let himself get beat over the top. You know, uh, he, he he did his job. Um, I, I think he if, if that's the kind of play we're going to get out of him, then yeah, he certainly has a chance on uh, you know earning that spot. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Matt, you brought up uh, Bobby Wagner earlier. I uh, I want to bring him up for just a second. He had 11 tackles, two sacks. Um, I don't know if it was because I was stalking him on Twitter all week, just because last week you guys threatened to replace me as host with him or what. But, uh, it, it was nice to see Wagner rushing the quarterback like that. I mean, maybe I'm blind, but I, they should have Wagner rushing the quarterback more. Thoughts well, maybe. On, Maybe he was worried about having to, you know, lose his job on the field, so he'd have to come work with us. So he was like, "No, I gotta, I gotta put in some next level effort here and re re uh, reassert myself on the field." I don't want to go. I don't want to go get on a call with with Abraham Deweese. I mean, come on, that's just. That's I'm delightful. I am delightful. My mother told me so. Oh, so Any, anyways, why don't they use a more rush than the quarterback, or is it just be? Is it just the teams that were playing? I mean, that, that's why he – I mean, because we talked about him last week and how how I said the media was – you know, some of the media was down on him, but we all agreed that it was just because, he, you know, he, he's making tackles left and right all over the field, cleaning up everybody so, else's mess. Are you saying we have magical powers? So if we, uh, talk, we, might. If we talk about nothing but Jordan Brooks – and how Jordan Brooks is going to come on our show, and Jordan Brooks this and Jordan Brooks that. He might actually be a useful player next week. Yeah, we should. No, I think this is, a, this is a case of Bobby Wagner being a close-to-Hall of Fame-level NFL player. Um, and <laughs> I, I think he very well could be. But the Hall of Fame voters are really, really stingy. Is is the problem? They they already have a backlog of really good players that ought to be in that are not. So um, anyway, that's a different discussion for a different time. But he is an exceptional player, and we have an extremely mediocre defensive coordinator that doesn't seem to know how to use some of his best players the right way. And finally, stumbled upon, oh hey, maybe I should have Bobby Wagner blitz and rush the quarterback. Anyway. That's my I, cynical I, view. I think it was. I think it was due to the fact that we had some injuries, and it was just kind of like, okay, he's a, he's all we had left. Let's throw what we got. What we got at him, and which, he had some success, so they just kept doing it. Which is wild to me because, so being here in Utah, I got to watch him a ton because he played up the road at Utah State, and mind you, he's a normal like he, he's not like a blitzing middle linebacker per se, but. He's much more, much better than adequate at rushing the passer. He's really good at picking his spots, finding the right gap, timing the run, 
and um, being useful in the pressure that he delivers. And I, I think a lot of it probably has to do with, I mean, you know, there's only one of him. So if you, if you start sending, I mean, Bobby Wagner is the quarterback of that defense. If you start sending him at the quarterback, you know, all, you know, a little too often, I mean, you're really leaving a void in that, in that second level. Um, so I, I, I don't know that sending him, I mean, even though when, when, he, when we do it and it works, like, why aren't we doing that more often? But I mean, if you send Bobby Wagner and he gets picked up, what are you going to do in that second level? <laughs> so, um, so I, I think it has something to do with that as well. I mean, you can't, you can't just send him all the time. He needs he, a lot of, a lot of Bobby's best work, all of Bobby's best work is done at that second level. The problem is that Bobby Wagner is a great coverage linebacker, but an even bigger problem is that he is the top, as far as pro football focus goes, he's the top blitzing linebacker in the NFL. So we, we really, yeah, that's amazing. No, it's true. Yeah. 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 Um, and the, the thing is, and this goes to Rob's point, do you take him away from coverage or do you send him in? Because you can't have him play both positions at the same time. You know, you're looking at you're looking at your guy who, in most defenses, the middle linebacker covers that middle short third, and if he vacates that position, you're probably putting a vastly inferior person in that role. But he's your best blitzer, <laughs> and so if you don't blitz him then you're probably putting a vastly inferior person into the rush role. So that's 20. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough one. I, I don't know. Um, I would, I would like him to blitz every play and play pass coverage. Is that possible? Can you do both? <laughs> can we, can we just clone him. So we have two of them. That'd right. be great. <laughs> um, moving on Sunday, we travel to Buffalo 10 a.m. Start. Play against Josh Allen, six and two Buffalo Bills. Anybody think that Buffalo has a chance against us? Yeah, I think I actually picked this as a loss. To be honest, yeah, I picked yeah, it as a loss too. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Come on, guys, where's the positivity? Um, <laughs> I picked this as a loss. Hooray! I haven't heard any positive. Guys, okay, so here's here's like the rough, the rough, horrible stats. I think we have about three wins ever in the East Coast in the East uh, Time Zone at a 10 a.m. start. That's not true. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's hyperbole. Yeah, yeah. That is not true. <laughs> It is. I, do, I, do, I, do, I can list three <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> I think you are making this up. We don't no, have a we, good record. We play, usually play in a later time slot. We usually don't play in the morning time slot on the East Coast. Usually we're scheduled at the whatever the two two in the afternoon or one in the afternoon start. That's usually when the Seahawks play on the East Coast. No, but I understand. When I, they I, start like right off the bat, it's the. They just usually get clobbered. I don't know why I'm fighting with you. I'm the one saying that we're going to lose, but we don't. <laughs> we don't have as bad of a record in the East Coast as you think at the 10 a.m. time slot. I mean, in fact, we beat Miami this week, and we beat two or three teams last year. Uh, it, you know, at a 10 a.m. start. I mean, it. I'm worried more about the team we're facing than we are at the time that we're that we're playing. We're facing yeah. a six and two team 
with two good wins, uh, and they're two they're two losses, Chiefs and Ravens, I believe. Yeah, I think it was Chiefs and Ravens, and those aren't bad losses if you're going by a you know NCAA rules. It's a team that's all around good. Maybe not a team that's great. They're not in the same category as the Steelers or or the Ravens or you know hell even the Chiefs. But but I'm not worried about that 10 a.m. time start. I really am not. It's just the team we're facing. I'm worried about. Yeah, I, the the 10 a.m. the 10 a.m. Uh, kickoff thing is a thing that that is Seattle used to ail the Seahawks, but actually I think. Um, uh, more recently, over the last few years, in the Pete Carroll era, we've actually been quite good um, uh, at, at the 10 a.m. East Coast uh, game. But, um, but uh, yeah, to eight point, Buffalo is that team. Um, they, they, they look really good. Uh, they have looked good this season. However, I didn't like them against New England very much um, last week. Uh, I don't think that New England is good. But they allowed New England to look pretty good against them. I mean, it, I think twenty four twenty one was the final score there, right? Um, and uh, and I, they they gave up a lot of they gave up a lot of running yards, uh, a lot of yards in the ground. Um, Cam Newton had a had a, a, a you know a workman's day. No, uh, didn't throw any any inter, uh, interceptions, no touchdowns, but um, but he was you know able to run the ball himself. He was able to complete passes downfield in his own unique way. Um, I feel like this game probably ends up being one of those uh, high-scoring shootout games. Um, and it's going to be, you know, which which offense uh, makes the mistake. Um, and, you know, so far, you know, with the exception of uh, Russell's multiple interception game uh, a couple games, a couple weeks ago, um, Seattle has been very efficient. And 30 points a game, can Buffalo score thirty points against us? Can they? Can they? Can they do that? You know, um, you know. Can the can our opportunistic defense make you know capitalize just enough time to to get this win? I, I think so. It should be a good game. But I'm expecting a lot of points in this game. Take somewhere, somewhere out there, there's a Rob English saying the exact same thing that our Rob English is saying. Yeah, I saw the Seahawks against the Patriots, and I wasn't really that impressed. <laughs> well, it took them until the, the final play remember, to win the game. <laughs> Well, you got yeah. When when when, when uh, Newton Newton fumbled it himself, uh, but no, you got to remember that that yes, against the Cardinal or against the Cardinals, I'm getting ahead of myself. Against the Patriots, they did not look very good. But remember, that's a, that's a true rivalry game. Nobody knows the Buffalo like Belichick and the Patriots and the Jets. You know, the, the local division guys do. Um, it's like us against uh, us against the Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals make us look like fools in, in certain ways. Um, just because they know us, we play them every year, and we know their style. We know we know them, and um, I want to add one little thing. Usually, you know, we get to uh, we get to November, and you go to Buffalo, and it's it's you know negative twelve, and there's a wind chill factor, so it's actually negative seventy five, and there might be some snow or something like that. No, uh, Sunday is predicted to be sixty five degrees and <laughs> pure sun. Oh, nice! Wow. What, All right. What is happening in this world? Buffalo <laughs> in November. <laughs> nice. Not a myth. That's a good break. <laughs> I just I saw I pulled that. I'm like I'm wondering, are we going to be playing the snow this weekend? And I hit weather. No, we're playing in 65 degrees and sunny. So uh, no, I just um, I think I like I, I like Josh Allen. I think is developing very nicely. 
He's got some talent. He's got some 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 uh, weapons around him, uh, and I think he can keep up with us because our because of how our defense has been playing. Um, I think they've got a they've got a good chance. I think they match up to us nicely, and we got to lose sometime. So I think this was this was me going okay. We got to lose sometime. And I think in that the last time we did this was like two weeks ago. We picked our records. I think I, I think I finished with the season thirteen and three. So this was one of my three losses. So <laughs> and he's sticking by it, folks. Apparently, <laughs> can we can we stop Josh Allen with our defense? I don't I I don't know. I, we had we certainly had trouble with uh, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen is better than Kyler Murray. Oh, eh. Eh, are you sure? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if Josh Allen, I mean, maybe maybe at, at, at what you might what you might attribute to a true quarterback, but he's certainly nowhere near the athlete. Oh, no, in terms, of, in terms of athletic skills, Kyler Murray is the most athletic quarterback in the in the league. Absolutely. I will not. Yeah. That, 100%. I, I agree. In terms of athleticism, the guy is amazing. In terms of being a quarterback, not so much. I, I think that Josh Allen, if he's um, if he's able to do what they did last week um, and remain balanced, um, you know, I, again, I think I think balance is the Achilles heel of this Seattle defense. Um, you know, against New England, uh, they, they they had two running backs, uh, was Singletary and Moss, both had 14 carries for over 80 yards. Um, you know, so what's uh, that? Uh, Singletary is six yards a carry, uh, Moss just under six yards a carry. So that's 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 a big deal, um, you know. And then Allen uh, had 150 yards on on 11 completions, so he didn't have to shoulder the weight of that of that offense for them to go out there and score 24 points and win the game. Um, and that and that doesn't bode well for for the Seahawks if they can remain balanced. I think again, um, if we can break, if we can tilt tilt the game um, and make them one di- one dimensional, one one dimension or the other, uh, typically the pass, and put this game on on on. Um, uh, did I say Jared Allen? I'm, I think I said Jared Allen, but jo- uh, Josh Allen. Um, if we put the game on the quarterback, I think Seattle stands to uh, to be able to go into Buffalo and win this game. Final predictions before we move on to the NFL. What's your predictions, you guys? Abraham, you start. Oh, uh, my my prediction is that that we lose on the final play of the game. We're on the twenty. We're about to throw it in the end zone. And Quentin Jefferson, former Maryland Terrapin, former Seattle Seahawk, comes around the edge and gets the fatal sack in with time ending. 35, no 35, <laughs> 30. Yeah, that's my prediction. I'm, I'm going to say that uh, Seattle um, does, again, what we've done much this year, um, uh, has a lead late into the game, um, and the ball is going to be in the hands of the Buffalo quarterback um, with the opportunity to drive down and win the game late, but they're going to fall short. We see how to win this game by seven, uh, 38-31. How about you, Rich? Um, a score prediction, huh? Okay, um... Seattle thirty-five, Buffalo forty-one. Ooh. Oh. What do you mean by a score prediction? Were you going to give us a shocker pred- prediction? Like, I think they're going to be the color blue, and it'll be warm. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, and yeah, no, 
Okay. <laughs> Matt? Yeah, I'm going to go out of alignment myself. I am going to say that the final score will be 31 Buffalo to 24 oh, Seattle. Whoa. And I think my boy, my boy Zach Moss, who I really wanted the Seahawks to draft out of Utah, is going to have a really good game. Watch out for him. Because our run defense it needs work. What is wrong with you guys? You guys All right. <laughs> Anyways, go on. I, I was just going. I was just going to just bad mouth you guys. I haven't made my prediction yet. Um, <laughs> two, two, two weeks ago, I did that, did say that Buffalo would win, but I think with the, uh, you know the, Jamal Adams coming back, Dunlap playing, that's getting healthier. I think we're gonna. I agree with you. Buffalo's going to drive at the end, but we're going to stop them. And I think Seahawks are going to win forty-one to thirty-eight. Ooh, a forty burger, huh? I do. Yep. Yeah. Okay. With the hot, the hot weather in Buffalo, it's going to be some scoring. I can tell because um, you're slamming your fist against the table. Yeah. By God, it's going to be taking it out on your microphone. <laughs> That's actually my screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, punch, don't punch your screen. <laughs> 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 Anyways, moving on. Um, I got to ask this question: Is Rich Michelson says offense sells tickets, but defense wins championships? With the Steelers, Ravens, Chiefs all having top five defenses, does Seattle even have a shot to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. You tell me. I, this is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I I don't think so. I I think that we're gonna be. Um. I don't know, an 11 and 5 or a 12 and 4 type team and probably get knocked out in an NFC championship game. Seahawks are on. Uh, you you yeah. know who the Seahawks are, Rich, uh, and everybody else, actually? Um, the Seahawks are the 1990s Buffalo Bills. Basically, it's all offense and it's amazing offense and offense that you have never seen before. Uh, sorry if I sound a little bit like Trump. It's going to be a glorious Thurman, offense. Thurman, it's going to be a beautiful Thomas, offense. Um, but <laughs> yes, K gun offense, um, and the team. defense had Cornelius Bennett and Bruce Smith, but it yeah. didn't have a complete defense, and it couldn't face a complete team like the Washington Football Team, like the the Dallas Cowboys, or even the New York Giants, who were solid. 53-man rosters, and I, I fear that if we face the Bucks, if we face the Chiefs, the Steelers, we're, we're in serious trouble. Um, but, I mean, hey, I'll take a Super Bowl run. I'm not against that. It's better than being the Jets, that's for sure. It is much better than being the Jets, yes. I don't know. I, I think uh... – I, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I am just the I'm the I'm the resident Homer of uh, of uh, <laughs> the, sports, the uh, hell you say <laughs> because I think we can totally do it. I mean, I I, I think back to a couple of years ago when Kansas City's offense was looking like they were unstoppable, and on Monday Night Football, the Seattle Seahawks team that's no, with an offense nowhere near as good as the one we have right now, and the defense wasn't playing too much better. Uh, went on the Monday Night Football and beat those Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I I I don't believe that um, the I know I, I I I disagree. We can beat these teams. It it it's just got to go one and zero every week. 
You can't you can't liken what's going to happen tomorrow to what happened yesterday all the time. Um, we, we, we we are going to go into these games, make the preparations we have to make. If we get to play in February and we're going up against, I don't care if it's Baltimore or Pittsburgh or Kansas City, we are going to take them down to the brink regardless of what team we're playing against. And Russell is cooking. And if Russell continues to cook, if we stay anywhere near close to uh, 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 the strength that we're at right now, I mean, we're winning Chris Carson, no Chris Carson, no problem. We might get uh, uh, Rashad Penny back sometime soon. Carlos Hyde will be back. I mean, we, we, we stand to get better. Um, if, if we were, if 35 points a game is nothing to be trifled with. Um, and, uh, I mean, we're scoring, we're scoring more points a game than Kansas City right now or anybody else for that matter. So, yeah, I'll bring, bring them on in the Super Bowl. Bring them on. I did not mean to laugh, but when you said Penny, that made me laugh. Yeah, I, I chuckled. I, I was I was on your side. I was, you were turning me. At, I I think you should be a life coach, Rob, because like I was I like, yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, then you said Rashad that, Penny. Tell you that moment. Yeah. We might. I said might. I said might. <laughs> I prefer I prefer our recent pickup, Alex Collins, uh, the man who does river say, dance. Maybe Alex Collins will be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, had me until he got until he got the penny, and then I kind of chuckled too. Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, couple couple quick last questions. Trading deadline has come and gone, and we made one move, and that was it. While Ravens got stronger, picking up, I still can't say his name right. Yannick Nikure, or uh, thank you. Yannick Nikure. Yeah. Pittsburgh picks up Avery Williams from the Jets. I mean. Are you satisfied with what the Seahawks did, or should we have done more? Okay, I'll jump in. Yes, we should have done more. With what, though? I mean, trade oh, players? You want, you want me to explain? Okay, you weren't <laughs> just looking for a yes or a no. Uh, oh, okay, all right. Um, that's your duck, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Um, I think I think we, we, we probably could have added a little more depth. Depth is a concern on my part. Um, you know, on the passing side of the game, no problem. On the rushing side of the game, there is a problem. I would have liked to have seen a, a trade for a running back of some kind. I, I'm not wild about the, the dumpster diving that we did. I'm not as high as on Alex Collins as as Abraham apparently is. Uh, the guy can but, move for uh, dance. And, and, and <laughs> Rashad Penny has never proven to me he can actually stay on the football field. So, I, you know, until he can prove that, I, I doubt it. Um, and and so, you know, for the running the running game, it would have been nice to see us pick up a backup running back from somebody, you know, it would have been cheap. It would have been easy. We cut, uh, Mr. Wilson, Wilson, um, which is fine. It was, a, it was a, it was a salary thing. And, um, we have, you know, the rookie coming up, uh, my, my, my rookie Colby Parkinson to take his spot. That's fine. On defense. I think we do have, I think we've made the moves already, but I, I just, I would have liked to see us maybe address the run the rushing attack a little more. Anybody else agree or disagree? Uh, for, the, for, the, for, for more clarification, I'm not saying we go out and we get like a top, you know, top tier running back. I was saying go get go get a, a backup, a depth guy that wouldn't have cost us a lot, but it would have added a little bit, you know, a reliable back to the backfield who's actually healthy. Yeah, I, I I'm okay with uh, with bringing on Alex Collins. You know, um, uh, I, I don't I I mean I don't think that we're so depleted at running back. Um, you know, uh, I mean, if you look at it this year, really, I mean, who are we? Our, our identity as a running team has really kind of 
you know, it's kind of it's kind of grayed out, kind of grayed away this year so far. Um, you know, it, it's about Russell. It's about Russell right now, and um, and you know, so so whoever you plug in back there, even Chris Carson healthy is you know having a you know what I'll call a you know just a, a workman like season. So um, I'm not really concerned about that. I'm okay with the Alex Collins silent signing. Um, I don't. I don't think we needed to do to make any any blockbuster moves or any uh, anything really um, at, at running back or or on offense um, at all. Defense defensive moves were made. Um, I'm okay with us uh, staying quiet by the trade deadline. <clears throat> and our last question: Sunday night we have Tampa Bay versus the Saints. Are you guys going to watch just because it's a great football game, or are you going to watch because you want to see Antonio Brown look like a fool out there? <laughs> Yes. Why not both? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Come for the game, stay for the meltdown. <laughs> no way. No, let me tell you. I'm going to watch, and I'll tell you why I'm going to watch, because I'm going to watch Tom Brady and Antonio Brown tear up the football field, and I'm going to be pissed. Can I say pissed on the show? No, I said it twice now. Well, you've um, heard. <laughs> yeah, you kind of already done it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be miffed that Antonio Brown, remember, Antonio Brown was a Patriot for 15 minutes, and then he got in trouble, and then he went away, and, and when that happened, I was like, oh, great, you give Tom Brady Antonio Brown, this is ridiculous, and then he had to go away, I was like, all right, fine, that's better, that's, that's, you know, because it wouldn't have been fair, and then after it's all said and done, it comes full circle, and Tom Brady ends up with Antonio Brown again, that is nonsense. I'm very upset that any other team didn't sign them, whether it was Seattle or anybody else. There's no reason why the NFL should have allowed Tom Brady to have Antonio Brown to throw the football to. It's nonsense. I'm not happy about it. And I want to watch the game. And I want to be just mad the whole time. I'm probably going to catch seven or eight balls for 147 yards and two touches. And I'm just going to be angry. And I will tell you all about it. I am glad <laughs> that good old frozen toes himself has gone to Tampa and it's going to turn that team into a disaster. Bruce Arians doesn't like him. And once once Miller, Godwin, and Evans start losing targets, they're not going to like him. He's not a likable guy. What is he doing? Is he? I, I heard he's sleeping on Brady's couch last last I heard. It, it, this is not good. This, this is not good for the Buccaneers, and I'm going to laugh the whole way because they're our major challenge in the NFC. Imagine, imagine the chemistry they're going to have with him sleeping on the couch. No, no, and Tony Brown is capable of chemistry. He has no, (laughs) the man has no character. He's the kind of guy that's going to try to uh, take a pass at Giselle Bunchen. I mean, he, he is, he is the kind of, you know, for years and years, we we heard about uh, Terrell Owens being a team obliterator, right? That's what uh, Skip Bayless called him, right? Oh no. But he, this guy is like like T.O. plus Percy Harvin to the nth power. This guy is going to blow blow that team up, and uh, there is a reason the Steelers got rid of him. If the Steelers get rid of you, trust them. Um. Yeah, and the the you know there's the other there's the other aspect where I've, I've mentioned it before. I don't understand the duality of 
the player who likes to get high occasionally can't get reinstated, can't even get the commissioner's office to return his phone calls. And then the player who in July of 2020 pled no contest and guilty to uh, sexual harassment and and theft of uh, misdemeanor theft of a car and a couple other things and abuse and so forth. And he picks up the phone, or Tom Brady picks up the phone, and he's instantly active and instantly available and instantly okay. There's a little shady business to that, but an hypocrisy to that. But I will be watching the game to watch him get only one catch as he gets targeted six times and he drops the rest. And meanwhile, my my fantasy player, Mike Evans, makes five catches for five touchdowns. (laughs) That's a a very utopian outlook there for you. You must need you must need the win. You need you need the win on your fantasy league, don't you? Uh, well, I, I was asking for Aaron Rodgers to throw seventeen touchdowns tonight, but he only <laughs> All right, that sums up my NFL questions unless you guys got anything else you want to cover in the NFL real quick. Uh I, I believe Jimmy G was, was a question and I did want to say that uh the the question was whether or not he's done. And I, I, I wanna say yes. Because I looked, I took a look at real quick. I just want to cover real quick. I took a look at his salary and the way his setup, his salary is set up with San Francisco. And if they cut him after this season, they get away with very little dead cap money and and very little penalty at this point. And I'm not convinced that they're going to keep him with the way that his his backup keeps coming in and upstaging him. But that's my two cents. Yeah, I, I was gonna. That's that's crazy. First of all, second, um, I just things in the NFL. Is that is that what we're doing right now, Brian? Yes. Uh, I'm just astounded at JJ Watt. That that like Houston is such a dumpster fire that he wants out. Um, I mean, what what an indictment on a franchise. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, they, Brian. Brian rid- pretty much burnt to the ground. That's why they fired him. Yeah. He's only he's only got a couple years left, Rich. He's got a lot a lot of mounting injuries. He needs to find something else. Oh yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I, I understand that. It's just more the like I, I think about players that stayed with teams that went maybe weren't great, mm-hmm. even though they were amazing players, right? Um, you know, Cortez Kennedy, maybe a Warren Sapp, um, you know, even like Reggie White played for a few bad teams in the day. And it, it says something um, kind of a huge indictment on the organization that, you know, the face of your franchise, arguably one of the, the five faces in the NFL, doesn't want to stick around. Well, it's not um, just to the team, too. He's got such a huge presence with uh, charity in, in Houston. He's grounded uh-huh. in that city. He's he's doing lots of charitable works. He's an amazing guy and does some amazing things for that for that community. And, yeah, I think you're right. It is, it is pretty stunning to see him want to go, please let me go. So I know this is the month where we got Thanksgiving coming and then Christmas is coming up as well. But I, I got to say, you know, as far as – as far as the charitable stuff and as far as loyalty to the organization, who cares? 
The dude needs to, the dude. Oh, dude's wow. never been to the play, or he's been to playoffs a couple times, but he's never been in the championship. I mean, he's never been to the Super Bowl. The dude wants to win. He wants, he wants and, the ring. Okay, yeah. Houston's nice for him. Okay, he's got a charity. Big deal. Uh, he wants to win. He's got to get a ring before I, his time is up. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I get he wants to win, and I, I think ultimately he'll be shipped out. My point more to is that. There have been lots of players that have wanted to win that have been of the stature of J.J. Watt that mm-hmm. because of other things have been enticed to not abandon the franchise, instead to stick around for the rebuild, to be the cornerstone that everything is built on. And something has gone very, very wrong in Houston um, after you know what should have been some sort of renaissance, say, you know, five to six years ago where they kind of got up, gotten up to an, another level for, for a few years. So okay, I'm sorry, but, just my, I'm sorry, but those people are fools. Those people are fools. If oh. you're hired by this company and they, they owe you money. That's their loyalty to you yeah. is we owe you this money, but we're going to kick you in the butt. Like if you, if you're not very good the next year, we're going to kick you on your butt out in the unemployment line. So I don't think JJ Watt owns, owes Houston anything. He just owes no, him, no. Like, I don't think he does either. Performance on the field. And that's my it. my point more is 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 I'm astounded at the organizational collapse that has happened in Houston. That is my more my comment on that. Okay. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm not because that's a terrible organization. <laughs> they allowed Bill O'Brien to get away with the crap that he did for years, and it, it this seems about right. Also, hey, the Raiders lost a a, a draft pick. What? Yeah. COVID-19. Uh, yeah, for COVID-19 violations. It was a sixth round pick, so not that valuable. Is that a big enough penalty in addition to being fined? Not that fines matter, but... It's way too big of a penalty. Well, what what level of, of, of violation was it? Was it just a little slip up or was it a big deal that they just totally blatantly ignored things? Good question. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what they did. Trent Brown's coronavirus test. I don't know the details on that. Yeah, I think uh, I need more information on that. They, I don't know. They yeah. violated a bunch of pro- protocols, apparently, that the NFL had put in place. That's a little too vague. I don't, I don't know. Until we know more, I, I, I'd hate, hesitate to, to judge it, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> so there. Let's talk some soccer. All right. Oh, Batchy, before we do, before we do, can yeah. we can we get uh, can we get uh, the Soul Cal Seahawk to to give a shout out to his to his podcast? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for for getting me on tonight. It's a pleasure as always. Um, yeah, everybody, make sure you check out uh, uh, Short Yardage, my podcast. You can find me on. Uh, Spotify. You can find me on Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Um, get my uh, short but sweet uh, take on our, our Seattle Seahawks, my unlicensed professional opinion. Um, and you can uh, find the links on uh, Seattle Sports Union as well. And blow up his Twitter. And, and his far more optimistic outlook than apparently the rest of us. <laughs> as if you want some positivity in life about our Seahawks, come see me. If you want, if you want to be convinced that Rashad Penny's an actual good player in the NFL, 
uh, go check out his Twitter. Hey, you know what? I just haven't seen him play in the NFL yet. That's my problem. Penny, Penny so far can only make it through about half of the season. So if we wait till the second half of the season, they put him in there, then we'll be fine. All right. There you go. Oh, there I'm you convinced. Go. Next level thinking. <laughs> Have I turned you? Have I turned you now? I'm turning the corner. I'm turning it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Rob. Good night. Thanks, uh-huh. Rob. Go Hawks. <clears throat> so talk sounders. Some, yeah, we should talk some sounders. Let's do it. Sounds good. We, we still so have a sounders team. We still have a sounders team. It's it's been a rough go the last uh, last few games. Our uh, our sounders have looked like a tired team. They look like a team that's playing two games a week, uh, which would make sense since they've been playing two games a week basically for the last four or five weeks. So um, the, math, the math checks out then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense in that regard. Okay. That's comforting. Uh, yeah, they, they, they pulled out a draw uh, last night on the road at the hated LA Galaxy. Um, they, they rotated their squad and played um, uh, a lot of the second string and did fine for a while. Didn't look you know, explosive or like they were really necessarily in rhythm, which makes sense when you play a bunch of your backups. Um, and uh, LA scored a goal, and then the Sounders got a, a game tying goal right at the at the end of, uh, at the end of time uh, in extra time. So, um, you know, an entertaining game, but they they've definitely not been on their best form the last uh, the last two or three weeks. It's it's been pretty tough for them. Um, and, uh, they have a, a fair number of injuries right now on the team. So it's, it's, it's limiting some of their depth. Um, yeah. So they, you know, they, they, apparently they, they qualified for the playoffs, but they lost three to one against Colorado. I mean, how do you lose to Colorado? Well, Colorado is actually a, a decent enough team this year. Yeah. They just beat and- Portland last night, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I they're, thought they were. Good I thought team. they were they worse. Qualify for the playoffs. I thought they were worse than this, though. I, I really did, and when, um, I don't see the star Colorado. caliber on that team. No, Colorado does not have a star caliber, but Colorado has a collection of hardworking players. They have a coach that's disciplined that has instilled a good defensive setup and and a you know um, a a specific style that fits the players that they have um, on the field. Then the other thing is that Colorado actually has an advantage right now that no one else in, in Major League Soccer has had. They they have played between three and five fewer games than everyone else in Major League Soccer mm. because they had a big uh, COVID-19 outbreak and they've only played 17 games at this point, whereas... The Timbers have played 22. The Sounders have played 21. Uh, Sporting Kansas City's played 20. So, like, everyone else has played more games than they have. And so, at this point, it's actually an advantage because they're fresher. They're just not as tired. That's right. And they're not going to so, make up those – they're not going to make up those games. I believe they're using points per game rather than yeah, total points for C. Correct. So they're using points per game, and that's why – Colorado is actually in the playoffs instead of out of the playoffs. 
And then the other the other thing to note is that you whenever you play at elevation, you're <laughs> you're gonna not lose necessarily, but it's it's a big disadvantage. Uh, RSL and um, uh, so Real Salt Lake and Colorado Rapids have a a big home field advantage, bigger than anyone else's home field advantage um, in a league of, of major league soccer that has one of the biggest home field advantages in professional soccer. Um, major league soccer's home field advantage is about um, 30% greater than any other league in the world. Um, and, and then um, both uh, Colorado and, and Salt Lake have an, an additional advantage on top of that just because of the elevation. At least that's the uh, speculation. Not that they've they've necessarily been um, super great teams or year over year, but their home records are usually pretty good. So I thought there was I a think huge... it was a combination of those things. See, I okay, that makes sense. I mean, two days uh, instead of the normal week uh, playing time. I, but I thought what was more interesting was the fact that we gave up sixteen shots on on goal. And does that have anything to do with the fact that? Brad Smith was on the bench. Dallin was on the bench. Ariaga was on the bench. Ramon Torres is, I think, still in Panama. I don't think we had our best defense <laughs> on the field, did we? Well, so a, a couple things. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, Brad Smith was on the bench. He's been nursing an injury, and he actually picked up an additional um, injury uh, in that game against Colorado. So he's he had a really long layoff after he went back to England uh, last year uh, after his loan ended and he was returned uh, back to England. And it basically he, he played, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 games um, over the next uh, nine, 10 months. Whereas, um, you know, in a full major league soccer season, he'd probably be playing 30 games. So he's just not really in game shape and getting him back up to that level. He's had a few setbacks uh, physically. Um, Roman Torres is a very good veteran player, but Roman Torres has entered the Zach Scott phase of his career where he it's more about him being a good locker room guy and an occasional sub, uh, a spot starter, if you will, rather than being a top guy. Uh, he's here for the playoff run. He's Yeah, he's around for the playoff run to come in late when we need an extra center back. Uh, Gomez Andrade, uh, Yamar is head and shoulders better than, than, um, than Roman Torres at this point. Think peak Chad Marshall, and you've got a close approximation. Uh, Shane O'Neill um, and uh, Xavier Arriaga have kind of gone back and forth, and Arriaga is uh, famous for having at least one huge blunder per game. <laughs> uh, thankfully, most of this season, uh, after the tournament in Orlando, uh, they have not been game costing blunders, but he is, he is still error prone as a young center back. Um, and just for a reminder for our listeners, center backs are kind of like catchers in baseball. They have a different time frame as far as maturing into the role and their, their peak is later and their, their window of, uh, of in their peak is, is also a, a later and longer lasting window. So, um, they don't get good usually until around age, say, 24 to 26. But then they can be good for like another 10 years, so like way into their, well into their mid-30s. So it's just a different position. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I, I, we've definitely had a bunch of injuries. Just to, uh, as a reminder, Brad Smith has been injured. Jovan Jones has been injured. New uh, to- uh, who's been uh, kind of his wacky self out on the left side. But not having those guys available to start then means you have to move other guys around. So um, we've definitely had some struggles. And I don't want to say we're backing into the playoffs necessarily, but we're certainly limping in here. Um, well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we lost the number one spot. How important is it that you have the number one spot going into the it's, playoffs? It's important. I mean, it'd be nice to have home field advantage. But, see, this season, home field just doesn't matter nearly as much because um, there's no Without fans. Without the crowds. Yeah, okay. Without the crowds. Um, and the other reason is that normally you have um, – it's just a bigger deal because of the crowds and because of the travel. Um, but everyone's kind of in the same boat from the travel perspective that their whole life's been turned upside down. Nothing's the same. And this is just a matter of resiliency and, and will. I think that the Sounders are well positioned because they're a veteran team. The downside of that, of course, is they're a veteran team. And so their guys aren't quite as physically resilient. I think they're mentally resilient enough. It's just not physically resilient. Um, one other thing that I don't know if it wasn't on our, uh, our, our topics to talk about it, but I'm going to bring it up here. And I, this is just conjecture on my part as far as how much this is actually affecting things. But Brian Schmetzer, the head coach, um, who's been the most successful, uh, Sounders head coach, um, you know, his, his tenure is less than that of uh, the previous head coach, Siggy Schmidt. Um, he also, you know, had a long history in the, the minor league version of the Sounders, winning some uh, some championships then. He is out of contract at the end of the season. He is he does not have an extension. Um, apparently, negotiations have been going on the entire year, but nothing has been resolved. And it has to have an effect on a team and on a coaching staff, especially in a year like this. Um, now Schmetzer and uh, the general manager Garth Lagerway did put out statements saying that they think they're going to get things done but the fact of the matter is that Schmetzer had to break the story on the athletic about this um, and he doesn't do stuff like this so I, I'm imagining he's quite annoyed and upset about it so especially a guy, since a guy like him, he's the- like the Sounders yeah, a guy like him though could probably command an in, an insane and obscene amount of money elsewhere. I don't know that that's true. I think he'd definitely get a job elsewhere. I don't think that it's an insane amount of money. He is constantly overlooked in the national um, punditry, and I don't know how much of that translates to. Um, other general managers and ownership groups about what they would want to do. Um, but he is constantly overlooked as just a kind of a raw, raw guy. He doesn't know tactics. He doesn't know strategy. All he does is like pump up his guys and go. And I think that that's just incredibly unfair. Um, mind you, he is a player's coach and he does get the best out of his players. That is his, his big skill. Like, uh, I don't know, say Lou Pinella, right? But, his strategy and his tactical mind is, is underrated. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is that the, the Sounders line up the, in the same formation every, every week. 
Uh, it's a, it's a four, two, three, one. And it's just that he can do a lot of different things from that formation. It's very flexible. And so because people think that it looks the same, it doesn't have any of the sexiness of, you know, someone who brings out like new and you know what looks like new and innovative and crazy stuff. He's just not that kind of guy. So I think there would be a demand for him. Um, hopefully he gets renewed. Um, at this point, it looks like the sticking point is uh, pay for his assistance. I don't know so if, if you win, about him. if you win in what has it been four and a half seasons, if you win two championships, been to three and another Western conference finals, I don't yeah. know how you could be any better than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, I would be all over that. I mean, if you're a yeah. you know, team, you're looking for a, a manager, you go like, yeah, dude, let's get this guy. He knows what he's doing. Especially if you're an expansion yeah. team or something. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of wild to me that he is in this position. I actually have, was very surprised when I saw the, the headline. I thought that this had been locked up a long time ago. Um, you never know. There so could be something. There could be something behind the scenes. He may, he, uh, true. Is he is he capable of learning hockey? Because it's fundamentally just a faster but smaller <laughs> game, and the Kraken need need a good coach. It's they soccer on ice. Yeah, soccer on ice. Absolutely, it kind of is I, a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> I don't know, but I will. I will bring up one additional thing about about the playoffs here. Um, the Sounders have a very good home record this year. They're six one and two. Um, only Dallas has been better um, at home, so home field advantage would certainly be helpful for the Sounders. Uh, the other thing is that they're both the Sounders and Portland trail Sporting Kansas City on a points per game basis because, again, COVID is stupid, and um, Major League Soccer has not penalized teams that have gotten COVID, um, which. I have mixed feelings on, but not really. I think that basically if you are the reason that you're, that, that a game can't be played, you should forfeit. Like if you're not allowed, if, if you're not capable of fielding a team, then you should not get a benefit for that. And that's um, kind of harsh on my part, I know, but that, that's the way it is. So Sporting Kansas City's last game has been canceled because Sporting Kansas City has players who have COVID and they're now going into quarantine, which means that that is what happens. They don't end up playing their last game, that neither Portland or Seattle can catch them to take over first place. Even though they're close on points, the points per game favor Sporting Kansas City. So uh, all in all, kind of a, just a stupid situation. Can we, can we catch Portland? Yes, we can catch Portland. So we, so what you're saying, so we we, we can roll in at number two. Would that yeah, be, we can roll in at number two. Would that would that really be incrementally like a big step from number three? I mean, no. Like you said, how like you said, home 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 field advantage would be helpful, but it's not as powerful as it as it usually is. So, is there a big change in how the table runs and for for playoffs from third to two? I don't so here's where I think so. I yeah, think number, here's where the problem is. I think number one only is the only one that gets the buy, right? Uh, no, actually, this year I think it's all Fubar. I think that um, the way that this is set up is is that everyone's just going to play. It's it's eight teams make the playoffs in the West this year. Okay, and so they just they're just going to play um, one versus eight, two versus seven, et cetera. 
Um, so no buys, so it won't really no matter. Buys, none of that stuff, right. And so it's, You're still going to eventually have to play the, the best teams anyway because if they'll yeah. rise to the top, yeah. Here's the thing. The Sounders don't want to play LAFC in the first round. You just don't want to. LAFC is going to be on the road. They would have to presumably come and to Seattle to play the Sounders. But still, it's not a not necessarily a team you want to play. They have too many good players. And at some point, you know, they, they've, they've picked things up. They were out of the playoffs, and now they're, they're up to number six. So it's, it's, it's a good team on the rise, going in the right direction with uh, last year's MVP on it. So it's, it's, it's definitely not a, a great matchup. The problem is LAFC and Colorado are, are .01 points per game off. One is at 1.48, the other one's at 1.47. So um, neck and neck. And uh, I haven't done the math on what, what different things mean, but basically the Sounders could move up to two and end up having to play LAFC. They could stay at three and have to play up, end up playing LAFC. It's not really a good, a good situation here. But ultimately, um, they play San Jose. San Jose is that team that plays a true man-to-man defense, which is very, very odd for soccer because it's exhausting. And if you do it wrong, you get blitzed like the Sounders, what the Sounders did to them uh, a couple months back where they put a 7-1 to score on them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it'll be an interesting game. But the Sounders are at home, so that's an advantage. Um, Portland has to go on the road to LAFC and Portland, uh, is very susceptible there to, uh, to good offensive teams. So there's, uh, there's that. Um, and there's unfortunately no possibility of Portland dropping below Seattle, uh, like farther down, it'll be either Seattle or Portland at, at two or three. And the, the seeding in the playoffs. Um, finally, uh, yeah, you mentioned Ramon Torres. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Raul Rudiaz, where are they? So Raul came back. Um, he he caught COVID when he was away on international duty. That's uh, right. That was a whole stupid situation. Um, he came back. He actually scored last night against LA. Uh, okay. He played the whole night and, w- and it was good. Uh, he looked a little rusty. He, he's, he's not been in, in full form. But, but here's the thing. When you're playing twice a week, you're, so you're going Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, right? Usually the guys get a day off after a game. And then that only gives you like one day of practice or a, a half day of practice in some cases where you're doing a half practice and then hopping on a plane to go play. They just haven't had a lot of time to, to, to get things together. The offense has looked a little ragged at times, um, maybe not quite as cohesive as they, as they would, would be. Um, on, on the plus side, um, the, the loss uh, earlier to Colorado was the first two-goal loss they've had since the tournament in Orlando. So this, this team has not gotten blown out this year. And the, the one other, my one other last thought about the, the Colorado game is, um, yeah, they, they gave up, um, you know, they gave up a bunch of shots, but shots don't mean anything. Shots are, I don't know, kind of like hits in a vacuum, kind of like batting average in baseball. Um, 
it, what matters is where where were the shots shot from? Were they quality shots, or were they just wild, you know, thirty-five yard blasts that you're you're sending in? Um, far more telling was that ten of their shots were on target, so that was, uh, uh, you know, more of a more of an issue. All right, and so do you have a uh, do a prediction moving into the playoffs? How do you think we're going to do? Um, I think that this team, if they um, play to the level that they are capable of, they are the third best team in Major League Soccer and very capable of winning um, MLS Cup again. Uh, the other two teams that are that are better than them at this point are Toronto and Philadelphia in the East. Um, even though the other teams in the East have more points, Philadelphia and, and, and Toronto are, are really are head and shoulders. And, and I'll say that Philadelphia is the favorite to, to win it all at this point. They have the best uh, goal differential. They've, they've, gotten, they've gotten the mix perfect between young players and, and veterans. Um, they have a potent offense, a very good defense, and um, they're undefeated at home. So... I want I want Sounders and and uh, Toronto, just to annoy all the other MLS Again? fan bases. Yeah, despite <laughs> everyone. Hey, by the way, are you guys tired of Toronto versus Seattle? Well, don't worry because this year we have a matchup for you. It's Toronto versus Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah right. going into going into the playoffs, the uh, LAFC and Seattle are going to be the two teams that you don't want to play is, is really what it boils down to. No one else, no one else should scare or even give the Sounders um, any serious um, amount of fear. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think the Sounders will disrespect anyone or, or look past anyone, but there is no one else that, that is on the level that Seattle and LA are, at least in the West. All right. Well, we'll have, uh, quite a game to look forward to, but uh, or the playoffs to look forward to. But I want to move on now to uh, real quick. We're going to touch UW just shortly, uh, you know, because they don't deserve a lot of time. But they uh, they they get a, they get a free week off this week due to a uh, Cal being unable to field a team uh, due to COVID. So they get a they get a week off. But I wanted to ask uh, Abraham, put him on the spot right here, and say, who the heck is your quarterback? Are you available? I am, but okay. I don't want to play for you. Okay. Well, we we <laughs> could we could either have uh, one of the mini Jacobs, like uh, Jacob Sermon, perhaps, or we could have uh, a a seventh or ninth year senior in Kevin Thompson, uh -huh. who's a transfer from okay. Sacramento State, or a true freshman right. in Ethan Garbers. Nobody okay, knows. But, but but my, my Jimmy real Lake question not, is... Jimmy Lake has not said who's going to be the quarterback. No, the real question is, which Jake is going to be your quarterback? No, we only have one. Oh, well, then, okay. So that's the answer. Okay. You know, <laughs> that's the rule of thumb, isn't it? That you have to have a Jake as your quarterback? My biggest fear is that Jimmy Lake has been listening to Richard Michelson because Richard Michelson's one of these guys. <laughs> He's one of these people. Who says that Who? dual quarterbacks dual quarterbacks is a good idea? He's wrong. It's never worked in the history of anything ever. I, but, I've also uh, heard Don James. 
Well, I've also heard that Rich Michelson likes to uh, make fun of players right behind their cousin. I think that's and true. demand that 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 they uh, that they they get replaced with with potential prospects who that, don't turn out. That to be was good. that was a uh, Riley. Uh, uh, what was the quarterback's name? Yeah, his, Riley Nelson. Riley Nelson, <laughs> you're making you're make you told his sister that he needs to sit on the bench so Jake Heaps can yeah, play. I sure did. You should tell him that he sucks. <laughs> that was uh, an all time great moment. <laughs> That's um, my. Okay, so, she said, "That's uh, my brother." Rich said, "I don't care. Yeah. It's still, Jake Eaps has to play." You yeah, tell, Jake Eaps has as, to play. As it, as, it, as it turns out, I was completely wrong because Jake Eaps had like oh. no character. He's a horrible player. He was terrible <laughs> for Kansas, and went after he went on, and then he was terrible as a third string quarterback for the the Seahawks. Uh, you also forgot he, to, he also went to Miami for a year and couldn't get on the field. Oh. And well, he played for the Jets for a preseason. Five minutes. <laughs> well, if you can't even make the Jets, that's pretty pretty that's, big excitement. That's sad, yeah. On the bright side, he didn't um, have to play for the Jets. Um, Abraham, I, will, I, will, uh, I want a prediction from you. By how many points will you lose to my Oregon Ducks this year? Um, how many points will we lose to the Oregon Ducks? Well, it, de- it depends on what god-awful uniforms you dredge out of the Hanford nuclear waste site. I don't know. Like there's some neon carcinogenic paste that you put on your mm-hmm. uniforms. And that's usually the reason why we don't do well. It, it has to do with fear of touching a radioactive <laughs> sludge wow. in your Oregon okay. ducks. Um, so what I'm hearing is you admitting that, that, that the uniforms work. You ridicule them as pointless, <laughs> pointless and, and a waste of time, and why are you guys doing it? It's dumb. But what I'm hearing is you admitting that it, that, that they work. They bother you. They do bother you. So we're going to continue doing them out of spite. That's good. See, that's- but you know, you, know what, you know what I can rest my hat on? Is that 30% of your team isn't playing this year because they've decided. Because they, they're going to the draft. Exactly. Yeah. So, so all your third stringers will be, all, will be starting. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, okay, so moving on to a less crappy team, uh, also located here in Washington. Uh, real they're, quick, less, I got, they're less crappy. I appreciate, I appreciate the compliment, but I have one question for Abraham. I want, I want his opinion on, uh, in my opinion, he's the best defensive back in the nation, Elijah Mulden. Am I wrong? No, he is the best yeah. defensive back. Yeah, that's correct. Um, no, Matt, you're <laughs> stupid Oregon bastard. He's not even playing this year, so shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, but no, the uh, he, he is the best uh, best defensive back, at least in the Pac-12. But you know, I, I'm not going to get to see him Saturday, so I have no idea what <laughs> what he's going to look like. Um, but he is a. I have. A, he's, I have a quick. Go ahead, Rich. I was just going to say, like, I'm still stuck on this thing that there's they're not going to be a Husky game on Saturday because Correct. California can't get their act together. Correct. And they're not going to show up. Well, they had they had a lot of people who tested positive, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So they can't field a team. Uh-huh. They should forfeit. And that's not a and that's not a forfeit. Correct. No. And that's we can't stupid. reschedule. This isn't, this isn't professional level. This is this is this is amateur league. I mean, you know, and, and it's hard. 
the NCAA is an amateur sure. league. And we can't reschedule because for some reason. There's no time. Why is there no time? I don't understand this. I don't know. Yeah, why did we wait all the way to November, the second week of November to start? I really don't know. Larry's got the piece of. <clears throat> um, yeah. But I mean, there's there no. Is, there but, is. but there's no bowl games. Who cares? Like, if we just play this later. Uh, there is a Pac 12 bowl game, Pac 12 championship. Right, but okay, I mean, but like. Still no. We're not going to the Rose Bowl or anything, so who cares? Just play it later. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, probably because of the TV deals would be my guess. Yeah, there's. I mean, that's why they. That's why they brought. That's why they wound up having the season, was because they. Uh, you know, they were. Um, they they were going to miss out on the money. Well, God forbid you TV play. Deals. God forbid you play, another game in the first week of January, when there's no, when there's no bowl season. When there's no other sports except for NFL football. Exactly. Well, it's like God forbid you you have a fall where you're not playing football. Oh no! Yeah. Into the world, <laughs> playing it in spring—that is that's just that's just world breaking. That was the motivation behind everyone. Like we can't play it in the spring. That's dumb. And I'm like, but everyone will have a better chance of being healthy. Well, but, that's oh, what, okay. Well, anyway. that's well, that's what's really dumb about this is the Pac-12 only did this because the Big Ten did. Yeah. You know what? We could have been the only football league playing in the spring, and there could have been a lot of eyes on the TV. So there would have been a ton of there would have been a ton, especially because the XFL wasn't going to play in the spring. Exactly, they're taking another year off. So yeah, we would have been the only well, with the Ivy League, there would have been us in the Ivy League, Big Sky as well. But, but yeah, but yeah. oh yeah, but no one no one watches the Ivy League. They don't have TV deals really. Yeah, other than Harvard Yale game, and that's it. Um, so yeah, I that is it's a good point. We we would have made more money. TV wise, I if think we so. would have gone in the spring. Well, especially going up against, like, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there's March Madness. You wouldn't have won that, but you would have, like, you no one really watches it. college. Yeah, no one watches college basketball anyway. And, I mean, spring training is only for sycophants that. Um, I love like baseball. I like spring training. No, spring, hey. going to spring training is fine, but no one, come on, watching a spring training baseball game, it's kind of painful. You, you hurt um, me. You hurt me. Wow. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you do realize that you're talking to three people who love to watch them because they watched uh, uh, Everett Aquasox finally get to go and play in the, the Mariners. We get to watch our boys play in the real oh, game that's fine i mean it's but it's not a it's not a broad-based thing is my point i yeah no i agree <laughs> um it doesn't have a huge it doesn't have a market saturation the college yeah. football would would draw a lot of attention it would be playing in the it wouldn't be playing at the same time that they most of the spring training games are during the middle of the day anyway yeah um but you know yeah it would, it would have been smart for them to hold off i don't know why they did didn't do that but they're blurred scott so. i would i would have thought it would have been neat to play call it to play pac 12 football Leading into the NFL draft, you know, been interesting. You know, it'd be neat if you played um, John Candy singing the Wazoo fight song, leading into Wazoo. <laughs> From Volunteers, good movie. <laughs> I Very don't have movie. that queued up right now. Oh yeah, darn it! Okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, speaking of Volunteers and 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 the Wazoo fight song, we we want to talk about Wazoo a little bit. Um, so. We're, we we obviously have a new coach this year and a new way of doing things. Um, first off, I want to start with uh, your impressions of your new coach, Mr. Solak. What do you think? 
I'm excited. The guy has made a huge first impression. I mean, right from the start, he was, you know, he went right into recruiting. He came to the side of the state. He announced on Twitter where he was going to be at. And, and he went to two, like two Cougar bars on this side of the state and bought everybody, you know, food and beverage and got to know the alumni. Uh, did the same on the east side of the state. Um, COVID hit and he, he, for like two months straight, he, he would pick a place during the week and go to buy a bunch of pizzas or, he would support the restaurants and, and, and bring them out to the, you know, the people of Pullman. So, I mean, he's already made a huge hit there. And then how do you not love the hats that he wears? Come on. He, he wears hats? With those hats. You see those big brim hats? He wears he's had a hat collection since he was eight years old. He said the reason for the big hats, if you see them, you know, on Twitter or whatever, is because he doesn't like to wear sunscreen. So that's why he wears the big brim hats out there on the field. Okay. But, I mean, he runs a run-and-shoot offense. I mean, not much of a college resume. He came from Hawaii. He was there, what, three or four seasons. But, I mean, the, the fan base loves him. The alumni loves him. I mean, it's like Mike Leach was never there. I mean, we quickly – I personally forgot Mike Leach. I mean, just because just of Nick, Nick coming in and – Tell him like it is. I mean, his first his first thing, another thing he said was, we're going to concentrate on winning that Apple Cup. He didn't talk about anything else except winning that damn Apple Cup. So, I mean, you know, that that is the only thing that matters, crushing the uh, the Huskies. Exactly. The Huskies um, <laughs> you don't want to lose well, to the Huskies. I mean, I I have to I have to admire his strategy, to be quite honest, right? Yeah. Um, because. He, I mean, you got to win players in state to start with, to, to yep. get enough talent to compete. And of course, everyone in the Pac-12 goes to California and Arizona to get get talent as well, right? I mean, that's 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 yeah. kind of a given. But yeah. but you, he's got to win in state battles and going to the West Side and planting a flag and saying, "Hey, we're gonna." We're going to be a presence here. We're going to support our alumni. We're going to, you know, get them fired up. We're going to try to win some recruiting battles and just be more in in it and saying, you know, we're coming for UW in the Apple Cup. I think that that's a great strategy, quite frankly. Because, um, I mean, like, if you lose the Apple Cup, what's what's the, like, yeah, you don't like it, but, I mean, year in and year out, the Cougars are generally the underdogs in the Apple Cup, so like you don't lose anything. It's like right. a, it's a, it's a low risk, high reward kind of gambit, and so um, I think that that's great strategy. And I, I agree. I think Rolovich has got it. Uh, Mike Leach didn't seem to get that, and when you look at look at a reason why people get fired from college teams why do coaches get fired why is why is harbaugh why is harbaugh at michigan on the hot seat dude wins like what nine ten games a year mm-hmm. he can't beat no. ohio state he can't beat ohio state yeah. Sure, yeah you can't win the rivalry game but it also doesn't help that he doesn't really schmooze the uh the alumni yeah that, you know that's fine and, and, and uh frank solich had that problem down at nebraska um, but yeah. just like Frank Solich, Solich couldn't beat Oklahoma. So, yeah. you know, if you can't yeah. beat, if you can't 
get those bragging rights, then your 10 wins don't mean as, mean as much. As, yeah. as Bo Pelini also figured out in Nebraska. Yeah. He won nine games a year every single year, no matter what. <clears throat> it didn't matter. Exactly. Um, yeah, so he's so. Uh, I'm sorry, was it Richard? Wanted you want to say something? I was just going to say. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that he's also bringing in a specific style. It, it seems like it'll it'll go pretty well with the players that Leach had already on you know on the roster. Um, run and shoot is just a you know, I don't know maybe the whatever the Leach the Leach spread. What is what is that called? The air raid is just a air raid yeah. on the run on the run and shoot basically. No, I disagree. Uh, which is, I, di- I disagree with that. The run I, and here, here's. Here, here's here's why I disagree with that is I think I don't disagree with you rich on standpoint of like it's gonna be it's you know it's gonna be good for the wazoo I think it's gonna be fantastic with wazoo because of a guy named Max Borgie because with the run and shoot people forget this all the time but when you looked at the run and shoot at uh, with the Atlanta Falcons when you look at the uh run and sh- you know with the Atlanta Falcons with uh, the dirty bird himself uh when you look at uh the old Oakland, not Oakland, Houston Oilers with Alonzo Highsmith at running back. And when you look uh, at Barry Sanders in Detroit, it features the running back. That was one thing. A lot more than the air raid. Yeah, way more in the air raid. And with Max Borgie, uh, the running back for Wazoo, who is, by the way, on both the Blitnikoff Award watch list and is on the Doak Walker uh, watch list. You're talking about a guy. He deserves to be. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who has more combined yards, passing and uh, catching and running than any other running back in the uh, uh, the Power Five last year. Um, I think this is perfect because there were times against UCLA, for example, where <laughs> where Leach completely ignored oh. that he has one of the best running backs in the in the Pac-12. God, many times he was way underused last year, but yeah, don't even remind me about that UCLA game. Oh, I will. Uh. It, it was like something like what forty-two <laughs> to seventeen. You guys had the lead, and you choose to keep <laughs> passing. <laughs> hand the ball off. Just hand it off. It was, it was one of the single greatest games I think I've ever seen. I was laughing. Yeah, I was how many laughing. touchdowns were scored in the last quarter, and and just kept. Going back and forth, it was amazing. Oh my god! Defense, they like they 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 weren't even putting people on the field on defense. I'm not convinced that there were people on defense at all. <laughs> um, hey, but, uh, I'm I'm just I, just one other side note on this on this new head coach. Um, how do you say it? Rolovich. Rolovich. Yeah. Rolovich. Yeah. Rolovich. So what I didn't realize he he took over um, for Timmy Chang in Hawaii. No way! Yeah. Really. Yep. Yeah, Timmy Chang. By the um, way, who set the, the to, Timmy Chang yeah. set the NCAA record passing for record. passing. Yeah, yeah. Um, in nine games, he had an eight and one record. He threw for three thousand yards, thirty four touchdowns. Um, and then he, uh, and then the other side note it says here is he ended his career with five, three straight five hundred yard passing games, yeah. and holds the school record for eight touchdowns passing in a. Uh, oh, this game. Holy, I remember this game. The 72-45 to 45 beatdown of BYU in oh, 2001. Yeah. I remember that. Anyway. 
So like, uh, this guy knows how to pass. I think I think yeah. you guys are on are, are are in for a a good fun run with this coach. I think you're, you're going to love your team even more than you already do. Well, moving moving quickly on, I, w- I want to talk about this 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 hot shot freshman quarterback we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he beat out he beat out Cooper and Cruz. Um, Jaden Delora. How do you say it? Delora. Jaden Delora. Delora. All right. Delora. What do you what do you what do you what do you think about him, Mr. Solak? Uh, I'm excited. I mean, only film that I've seen is he, he was. Uh, he led his team to uh, junior, senior state championships in Hawaii. Uh, his player of the year, his senior year, he threw for like nearly 30 touchdowns, almost and three or 3,000 yards. I mean, he's six foot one only, but and he's just under 200 pounds. Obviously, he's going to need to add some weight. But the guy's got a gun for an arm. I mean, he's been Rolovich's boy since day one. I mean, Rolovich was trying to recruit him to Hawaii before he. He signed on, you know, over here, and then uh-huh. obviously is able to swim our way. So he had a bit. He had a. I, I can't really call it a spring practice, but he, had, he his his stats were better, you know, during the fall practice, I guess. So that's why he won out. And Gunnar Cruz and Cam Cooper are technically still, you know, Mike Leach recruits. So we'll see what happens. But I'm believe, excited to see see what happens. I believe uh, Jaden Delara also knows the run and shoot system. I believe he played in that system and I think you're right. he, he's also going to be a different type of quarterback. He was recruited by Ohio state because he's kind of a running quarterback. So expect, expect uh, him to take off with his feet. Something that wasn't, so you Hasn't seen in a while. Yeah, you won't have the uh, the lead feet quarterback that stand there for forty five minutes like Connor Holiday did. Yeah, Luke Falk. <laughs> Luke Falk. Uh, yeah. No, they stand there <laughs> for like four hours in the parking lot. The the uh, the, the parking lot. <laughs> the, the the what you call it? The pocket. There we go. Yes, there you go. Yes, they and then, stand there. They just stand there, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm 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 like, we're at ten seconds now, and you haven't moved. <laughs> okay, twelve seconds now. I mean, Anyways, that's an amazing, back- amazing offensive line because you've had 15 seconds now. You know, <laughs> our our backup quarterbacks. Are, I think I'm excited to watch too because they do have a depth chart. But uh, Rolovich said that Cruz or Cooper are both the backups, so it depends on the opponents they play each week. And I mean, I'm not, I don't know too much about the run and shoot offense, but I know there are multiple times where they'll use you know two quarterbacks during the game. So we'll see what happens. Oh, you no. think it's going to be Rodney Pete and oh, who was the guy that played with him? <laughs> I'm thinking of Andre that. Ware. Andre Ware. Thank you. That was going to bother me. Tech, Rodney tech Pete, ball. Andre Ware. That was that was quite the, uh, the plan. What, with the Detroit Lions? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that was, yeah, it was with the Lions. Yeah, yeah yep. that team was terrible. Well, of course it was. <laughs> they had two quarterbacks. Rodney Pete has a hot wife, though. <laughs> Holly Robinson, yeah. Yep. Okay, and that, that of course you know matters greatly when it comes to football. Does That's to me. Um, so uh, I want to want to hear I want to hear about this uh, Renard Bell. What, what, what's the hot What's the hot the hot word about him? The guy's a player. He has I mean he's hundred I think fifteen catches over three years. Um, oh gosh, I think he's averaged like oh he's like fifteen hundred yards roughly in his career. I mean, he's five foot eight only, but the guy's got solid hands. I mean, 
<sighs> Moving forward, I don't know who knows about his you know his future career in the NFL, but there are some small receivers that can play. But the guy knows how to get open. I mean, he, he forty catches last year, twenty before, fifty four catches his freshman year. I mean, with the offenses that have played at Wazoo, I mean, he finds a way to get open, and they still get him the damn ball. So I'm, I, like I said again, in the run and shoot offense, I mean, this is new to me, obviously, and I'm still learning it because I've been trying. When Abe sent us those questions, I've been trying to study up, and I think it's going to take a little time to figure out. But Bell, either way, Bell should be – I mean, he's a Pac-12 player. He should be all Pac-12 by season end, in my opinion. He's, he's a darn good receiver. Is he going to uh, – is he going to cause uh, my 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 Ducks defense uh, as many fits as uh, Arcanado? Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. That's – Actually, that's game two. I forgot too. Next week we play you guys. Whatever happened to Arcanado? Did he get Did he get drafted or he, picked he did, up? Uh, he got picked up by briefly by the Niners. He did not get drafted, and then I think he went to the Rams, and then but he didn't make either team. So he's just moved on in life. That's a shame. That guy was really good. He was good. He got hurt a lot too, but yeah. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. <clears throat> Being healthy so, is is a skill. I mean, unfortunately, as we've learned with. Rashad Penny and <laughs> fourteen Rosales. other players. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. So tell me about your uh, your defense. Is your main man still there? Jahad Woods. Oh yeah, senior. Um, last year he averaged. I want to say. Well, I know he had well over 130 tackles for the season. He was a ball hawk. He was everywhere. He was everywhere. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we know our defense sucked. You already brought up the UCLA game, so that was a nightmare itself. But um, I, I noticed on our depth chart this year, Rolovich is there's a lot of players that I thought were starting, or two or three are like backups now. So I, we'll see what happens. I mean, they're, they're a young team on defense. Obviously, I, I can see why they're picked last in the Pac-12 North, but I think we're going to surprise a few people and, and and you know win two more games than what they thought we're going to win. Has he changed the scheme on defense? Are you running a different package now? or uh, Hard to say. I mean, maybe I'm reading the wrong articles, but I can't really find anything. I mean, they've been really secret on, you know, they're up until a few, was the last Thursday, they didn't even name their starting quarterback. and all mystery. It all, it is want all, to keep everyone guessing. It is all mystery, yep. Yep. I mean, That's I don't cool. know. Yeah. So Why give it away? Like, yeah. Make the teams come and learn on the hand, you know, on, on the field. They do that, yeah. I mean, I started to interrupt you, but I knew they brought in some coordinator from, I think, Wyoming that had one of the top defenses, actually, you know, like the top 30 in the NCAA last year. He's an up-and-coming guy, so I don't know if he's another Alex Grinch or what, but hopefully he, you know, can have, do some magic with his team. All right, finally, um, two, two more questions. Uh, how... Uh, how many points are you going to lose to Oregon by this year, do you think? <laughs> and finally, after that, uh, what do you think your shots are, you know, with, with U-Dubs resetting with a new quarterback as well and a, and, and having, to, having to kind of do some tur- deal with some turnover and everything? Do you, do you, uh, you think you guys got a shot again at, at the Apple Cup? Um, we'll, we'll start with the Apple Cup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely I, I think, well, I say this every freaking year, but I think with the, under the new regime, I think we're going to compete with the 
Abraham's Huskies, and I think we got a chance this year. It's also Richard. I'm not going to be. I'm, it's also Richard's Huskies. Oh, uh, that's right. I forgot about that. So I, I do believe I can see us winning. You know, the Apple Cup this year It's going to be probably. Oh, I'm, we won't do predictions yet, but, but I, th- I think it'll be a high-scoring thing just because I've, I don't have faith in our defense just yet. Um, as for Oregon, I don't even know who the hell's on your team this year, but I, I know you <laughs> have the running back. That way. I know who your that running back is good, whoever uh, Bardell or whatever his name is. And then you got that big He's ass. He's no left. Borgie, though. He's no Borgie. Borgie is no. Better. You got the best offensive lineman in the country, but uh, with He's that said, I think, out. Yeah, he's not. Oh, he's not going to play. Yeah, he's not going to play. Oh, okay, okay. But I'm sure you guys got the depth. Anyways, I I think we'll give you a game, but in, in the end, unfortunately, uh, you guys will probably win by a couple touchdowns. But nice, it's to hear, to nice to hear the truth being being quoted to me. You know, uh, uh, next next week that might change. You know, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um. So yeah, other than that, uh, anyone else have anything to add about the Wazoo? Um, yeah, I think I'm we... supposed to slip in some random comment about, hey, the Dodgers won the World Series. Otherwise, it wouldn't be Matt being, you know, on the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I think since they had players who had COVID, I think that all the teams should intentionally throw at the heads of each of the Dodger players next year. Whoa. What? How about just Dustin Turner? We'll talk about that in the spring, Abe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they're going to they throw... They weren't cheating. COVID, COVID is a handicap. It's even they worse. That's even handicap. worse. No, that's even worse. That, that's, they're playing with a handicap. That's they're... trying to inflict harm on other people. No, it's, it's, so it's them playing it only, in a weekend state. It's only so it's deserving that they get the ball thrown at their heads because that's my revenge fantasy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're just going to, yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Anyway, uh, you got any shout outs <laughs> anyway. there, Matt Page? Um, I I didn't get a chance to do it uh, in the in the Seahawk portion, but I really do want to give a shout out to Jacob Hollister for some amazing blocking that really wasn't getting noticed at all in the Sunday's game. Uh, he made the first DK Metcalf touchdown possible. There was a few other spots where I, I I caught him just briefly on the screen making some really good plays. I think he's developed into a really good really good blocking tight end, which he wasn't when we first got him. And um, I I just I don't think he gets the attention he deserves. Okay. Um, but I so I want to I want to give him props. That's all. How about you, Richard Michelson? Um. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna give a shout out to Alex Rolled On who uh, is the little brother of Christian Roldown over on Sounders. And he has uh, really solidified himself as the backup right back and as um, the backup center uh, midfielder for the Sounders. He's, he's worked really hard to master a new position. And uh, he is probably the best crosser of the ball, at least long crosser of the ball on the team. And um, it hasn't paid off yet for him, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to one of these beautiful, looping, curving uh, balls that he sends in, ending up on the head of Raul Ruiz Diaz for a, for a clutch game, you know, game-winning goal or something like that. He's, uh, he certainly deserved it and uh, become a much better player than I ever thought he would be. Shout-outs for you, uh, Brian. I, I, wait, real quick, I wanted to say that, that I, had, I had to stop myself and realize that 
landing a ball in the head was actually a good thing in this context. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just went from Abraham throwing balls at people's heads. So, you know. Any, shout out to uh, Everett Aquasakalum, Evan White, and J.P. Crawford for their gold gloves they won this week. That was yeah, my shout-out. That was going to be my shout-out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. You're not. I'm not, but <laughs> my bad. Anyways. Okay, well, then I'll do a shout-out for Kyle Lewis, who is in the running for Rookie of the Year. And uh, even though I don't think he'll win it, I think that Good. there is one actual player, maybe two, that our glorious general manager – actually got right so that's that's good news um <laughs> go mariners, well said, uh, go mariners. <laughs> but i want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast today i want to thank rob english and richard michelson for guest starring this week and as well thank matt page and brian the soul man solak for being on the show check us out on twitter check us out on youtube or not youtube <laughs> spotify i meant on spotify itunes and Podbean for our podcast as well. Check out www.seattlesportsunion.com. We'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks.